conversation between parent entrepreneurs who are going through two stronger hardships in life. One is parenthood and one is entrepreneurs. And the reason why we are doing this podcast so that we have innovative and successful entrepreneurs who are parents, who can share their journeys, their stories, uh, their suggestions to the fellow entrepreneurs around the world. And today we have Neeraj Kapoor. Neeraj Kapoor, he is a top sales force, top influencers, sales influencers of 2021. He's a trusted sales coach. He never gives up on his belief of sharing knowledge. And he's very persistent on sharing his knowledge, helping others on so many other platforms like LinkedIn, Clubhouse. And there is also one more amazing thing about him. He's an amazing author for uh, bestsellers like um, Everybody Works in Sales. Here is what you need uh, to know to achieve success in your career and the easy guide to sales for business owners. Hi, Neeraj Kapoor. Welcome to the podcast. Nima, it's lovely to see you. You didn't use the word amazing enough. You only said it five times. you got to say it at least 15, 20 times, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. That was wonderful. That was a wonderful introduction. So, Neeraj, would you like to share um, your journey? How did you actually start in sales? Um, in 19, oh my goodness, different century this was now. Um, <laughs> in 1992, I left Northern Ireland where I was born and grew up. Uh, there wasn't many Indians in Northern Ireland back then. And everybody, of course, all the Indians were very typical. Your children had to become a doctor, a lawyer. They had to go to Cambridge or Oxford or Queens. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. School's boring. I'm going to be a rock star. And of course, my parent, my father was a very respected man. And everybody thought I had emotional problems. <laughs> they, they would send me off to therapists. For, I'm like, look, I just don't, I'm not against hard work. I just find school very boring. And, you know, everything you learn in school, you learn when you're young, reading, writing, maths, that's it. Nothing you learn in high school is of any use to you in life. And I just couldn't understand why I was being taught all these subjects that just, I wanted to be a rock star. I didn't care about chemistry or physics, or biology, or additional maths. So I went to England to become a rock star, failed horribly. And unfortunately, I was kind of embarrassed and depressed and quite ashamed of failing so badly because I was so convinced I would make it. And I told my parents, I'm never coming home until I have success. And I spent a year and a half of my life unemployed, which was horrible. And uh, then one day I went looking for a job, and the only job I could get with no qualifications with sales. So it, I didn't plan to work in sales. Nobody plans to work in sales. Sales mm. is a job you get when you're planning something else, you know. But <laughs> I'm so grateful I, I got a job in sales. I'm so lucky and so grateful because it, it changed my life for the better. How did coming to sales change your perspective on looking at the world? Well, when you work in sales, if you, if you do sales properly, so there's two kinds of salespeople. There's very good ones. And there's truly awful ones. Mm. And the experiences people think about with salespeople are the truly awful ones. And I want to assure people that there are actually some very good salespeople out there who really do care about their customers and want their customers to win. They do. There are good ones out there. The problem mm. is the bad ones get all the attention. And mm. how sales is good for you is you get a chance to meet people from all different walks of life. No other job I know, I get a chance to meet so many people from HR directors to sales directors to MD to boards to CEOs. That's mm -hmm. kind of amazing. 
And I get a chance to talk to people all day long and develop relationships very quickly with people. So you're learning all these skills, not just in sales, but on developing relationships, mm. on dealing with pressure, which is very yeah. important in sales, mm. on how to talk to people you've just met. How do you strike up a relationship? That's not easy to do, you know, and not everybody is an introvert and learning the difference between how you talk to an introvert and how you talk to an extrovert. You know, there's all these different skills you learn in sales. And that's why I love it, because it's just made me a better person. And it's taught me so much about business as well. How did your parenthood and your career path in sales go together? How did you actually manage these two hardships? Um, I made a decision when my daughter was born. Um, I was not going to put my career first. So I turned down, I was at the Guardian newspaper group, which is a big newspaper in England. And yeah. I turned down two very big, management roles which mm. would have taken me to director level but mm. i made the decision not to do that because i just wanted to work nine to five leave work on time rush home be a dad and i worked in london and i lived in, in the english countryside in buckinghamshire so i never got home i would leave the house six o'clock in the morning i wouldn't get home till seven o'clock at night mm. and i'd pick up my daughter from the babysitter would rush home cook dinner you know have dinner together do her homework and then put her to bed at nine o'clock. And at the time, my wife would then come home at nine o'clock from her beauty salon, try to spend mm -hmm. a few minutes with my daughter. And then, you know, it was very rushed. And even then, just working nine to five, uh, that time with my daughter was important. And after a while, I achieved so much success at The Guardian, I negotiated Thursday half days off work as part of my contract. So it meant I could leave the office at one o'clock, pick up my daughter from school, take her to dance class, take her to piano lessons, then have dinner and have a proper, proper time with her. And so I, I put my career on hold. I didn't want to go out with clients in the evening. I didn't want to go out and get drunk. I didn't want to go to parties. I just want to go home and be a father. And that, as a parent, was the smartest thing I could ever have done. And I'm really glad mm -hmm. I did. From my career perspective, I lost out lots of opportunities, but I don't regret that. Yeah, it's very important. Uh, the point that you have said is when the kids need the parents, both for the emotional support, especially there are certain um, age um, range where, where the kids are really looking for that emotional and safe environment support from the parents. And um, it's a lot of step ahead from the parents who have to juggle, who have to make that critical decisions as you did in your life uh, where comes first because the time with the kids when they need us well we cannot go back and do it so that is truly motivational what did actually trigger you to start your own business i'd worked in london for almost 23 years hmm. and the 22nd and 23rd year well, actually 21st 22nd 3rd 23rd year i just wasn't enjoying it as much I was working longer hours than ever, and the pressure was so intense. Commuting every single day, mm. I would say to my bosses, "It's very important we start homeworking people." And mm. back then, all my bosses said to me, "It's a stupid idea. Homeworking will never work." <laughs> <laughs> we all know it works really well now, but five years ago, mm. when I said it, nobody listened to me. They all thought yeah. I was. Crazy. And every boss I said this to, he went, "Everyone said mm. dumb idea. Even two days a week." Or one day, no, will never work. will never take off. Stupid idea. And, 
it's a very important lesson to learn that a lot of people at the top and companies haven't a clue what they're talking about. And that's actually a very important lesson for everybody. Don't mm-hmm. for one second think people at the top make smart decisions. They make yeah. so many bad decisions every day. You would not believe it. They, yeah. They're just so caught up in their own little world. They yeah. fail to see the big picture. And yeah. I just didn't, I felt as I was getting older and older, I was getting less and less respected. People mm. just want young people in sales all the time, especially in London. You know, all the mm. offices I would go into, all these young kids in their 20s and early 30s, and I'm in my mid-40s. I look so old compared to everybody else. <laughs> Plus, I have no hair either. That just made things worse. Um, mm. But I just wasn't enjoying it as much. Mm. And when you're going to work every day, you know, for 10 hours a day, and you're commuting three hours a day, sometimes longer, it takes up so much of your life. You have to at least enjoy the work a bit. You don't have to love what you do, but you have to at least enjoy it. Yeah. And I wasn't enjoying it. And all I wanted to do was coach people. But the companies I work for didn't care about that as much. They said, look, we don't care about coaching. Just make money, make money, make money. I'm yeah. like, I need to coach the staff so they can make money. And yeah. it was just a real lack of investment and a lack of care on their part. And, mm. you know, I always believe in life. A lot of things happen for a reason. Mm. And I thought, okay, I'm going to write a book that's going to teach people how to sell better because mm. we need to raise the standards of sales because the standards are not high enough. They're far too low. Mm. And that was my mission to raise the standards of sales. So yeah. I hired a book coach because I believe if you want success in life, you need to have a coach. You want mm. to make more sales, hire a sales coach. You want to write a book, you hire a book coach. So I spent mm. a lot of money on a very good book coach and, mm. um, I, the book was already finished, but he made it a bit better. He taught me mm. how to market it and he taught me mm. how to sell it. And the book mm. was a massive success. And that was it. Mm. I started my business because the book became a success. Awesome. So writing a book journey itself is very challenging. It's very intriguing. It's very brainstorming. And it is something that you have to sit and think about yourself. <laughs> but at the same time, being an entrepreneur itself, if you're a solo entrepreneur, um, there is a lot, I would like to caption it in a single face saying that you are your best friend and your worst enemy if you're a solo entrepreneur, right? So Very because true. you have to motivate yourself. There, as you said, there is no straight line or accelerator line of success. You have to continuously adapt, agile, be agile, and continue to, uh, continuously draft yourself uh, to, to the new situations and so on. How did your journey after the book? I know for sure the book have very good um, real time and real world suggestions. How did that actually transform your business with the book? Well, it didn't. I had a lot of success with the book at the beginning. All okay. the royalties were coming in. I was taking pictures of my book opposite Warren Buffett's book, my picture opposite Tony Robbins, my picture opposite Simon Sinek, Start With Why, Brian Tracy. So for the first few months, people on LinkedIn, I didn't have a big LinkedIn following at the time. I just kind of started using LinkedIn properly in 2018. And so I had a very small following, less than a thousand people. Uh, and people were very impressed. They bought the book. They bought the book. The problem is you can't make a living just a book not unless the book sells a hundred thousand or a million copies yes a million copies you can hundred thousand you can do okay mm. but anything less than that you can't and i think i focus so much on the book and not in the business that i really struggled mm. and eventually the book royalties run out mm. and all of a sudden i'm only selling 50 copies a month 
And when you imagine mm. Amazon takes 70% of the revenue, 50 copies a month, no, you can't live like that. So I yeah. went on a Tony Robbins uh, four-day UPW. That was life-changing to work my mindset. I took mm. lots of business courses. I went to networking events every day. And I, yeah, I learned a lot. My business still wasn't growing because uh, being a coach, I'm going to share some mistakes. The biggest mistake was I wanted everybody to be my customer. Mm. and not everybody's your customer and that's very very important mm. uh, and the second thing was i there comes a point at work where you work so hard you just don't think straight and mm. i was putting in you know 14 15 hours a day six days a week i was just tired all the time and stressed and mm. when you're tired and stressed all the time you don't make good decisions <laughs> you just don't so yeah. you know there was a lot of lessons to learn then and also i, I started going to networking events and I met a lot of people at networking who said, you know, avoid this person. This person's terrible. Don't go to. And of course, you listen to the people you surround yourself with. So I surrounded myself with people not knowing they were quite negative, bitter people who hadn't achieved much in their life. So as a result, I didn't go to so many events because I was told by the people I knew, don't don't talk to them. Don't go to this event. So, you know, it's like what Jim Rowan says, you become the average of the five people you spend time with. Mm. And if you're surrounded by negative people all day you become negative and cynical and a bit bitter. So there was a lot of lessons to learn there. Don't do the business by yourself. Ask for help. Not oh. everybody is your customer. Don't work stupid hours every day because you will burn out very quickly. Mm. And make sure you speak to a wide variety of people and don't just take advice from a small group of people who are very negative because often they say don't do something. It's because mm. they never achieved it themselves. Yeah. Oh, that's golden nuggets of wisdom right there. <laughs> you were talking so much in LinkedIn about the value of building relationships over pitching the sales. And I know, I think it was yesterday or two days back, you put a post on LinkedIn and saying about your um, experience where you connected with one of the person and uh, they in the introductory call itself they directly went pitching their services and yeah, that was horrible <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of surprising but what does that actually tell us about the mindsets how many different kinds of mindsets are there in sales at present and what is the mindset that will actually work because whether it's sales or providing a service or marketing or even for a startup, it's about building relationships and it is about building the trust. And from the trust building itself, you can go any further. How many kinds of mindset do you think right now sales leaders have and what they need to transform into? The big problem you have with sales leaders is most of them have no idea how to manage staff. They don't. They haven't a clue. What often mm. happened with sales leaders is they were very successful at sales. Mm. And they said to the boss, I'm making so much money for the company. I want a pay rise. And the company says, no, you have to become a manager. And they went, fine, make me a manager. So to keep the good salesperson happy, they become a manager. They get a massive pay rise, become a manager. The problem is good sales, great salespeople don't always make great sales managers. Sometimes they do but most of the time they don't. Hmm. And then, of course, you have a lot of people who become sales leaders because they just kiss so much ass. They're not very good at their job, but they kiss the boss's ass. So all of a sudden, you have people in charge who do not know how to manage staff. And hmm. you get people in charge who don't care about the staff. They just want to get higher up the chain and make a lot of money. Hmm. So you have the wrong people in charge. That's the main thing. And second of all, if you want your team to succeed, 
you have to spend time with them regularly, like every Monday morning doing one-on-one meetings. Hmm. Then it's spend one day a week going through their phone calls and doing some phone call coaching. You know, this is so important. And most businesses don't do this. And when I had success in my teams, I would do this, let me see, probably twice a year. I would bring in outside sales training companies, even though I did it myself. I brought in outside people as well to complement what I did so they could share more information because you don't want to just learn from one source. Yeah, mm. It's very important to learn from different sources. So not mm. only was I training them twice a week, but then twice a year, I'd bring in other sales training companies to work with them. That's how a team achieves success. It doesn't achieve success by being told, call as many people as you can. That's a stupid idea. It just doesn't work. Quality is way more important. Um, it does, you don't achieve success by saying, just lie to your customers. So many business owners say to their staff in front of me, just lie to your customers. Say what you have to say. I don't care. Get me that money. Because money makes people do stupid things sometimes. It does. Mm-hmm. And you have to you have to really take this into consideration. There's a lot of bad advice out there. A lot mm-hmm. of very bad advice. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of lack of training. You know, most people who have jobs, Hema, have done three years at university or four years or sometimes five years. Mm-hmm. If they're doctors or architects, it's even longer. Mm-hmm. And yet salespeople are given one day's training, half a day's training. And you never get that training again sometimes. So it has to be regular training. That's mm. the problem people have. And mm. most people are just terrible. I had somebody from HP, um, mm. you know, because my, my computer is HP, call mm. me um, what, a month ago. Mm. Terrible. They were mumbling and bumbling and they wouldn't stop talking. And I said, before I go any further, what do I do for a living? And she couldn't tell me. I said, okay, you have no idea who I am. You have no idea what I need. You have no idea. You don't even occur to you to research me. No, we weren't told to do that. You know, uh, even mm. HP, such a big company, and they mm. haven't a clue what they're doing. They're clueless. And a lot of these big companies are. They just give so much bad advice. And a lot of people just do the same thing over and over and over again yeah. and yeah. expect a different result. You know this. It doesn't work. Yeah. And it's all about how well you're trying to understand the customer. and. The second important point is how well you understand the customer's pain and do you have the solution for it and then go start building from it. Let's jump into the parenthood. What would your suggestions, I would like to break it into three big sets. Parents who want to start their own startups or entrepreneurship journey, who want to set up a new business, what would your suggestion be from both your experience as a parent and both your experience as a um, being in sales for so long? What would your suggestions be for parent entrepreneurs who are either starting to build their own startup or who are started their own business and who are under three years or four years? Most, because bear in mind on my business, even though I've been in business 26 years, I've had my own business for just over three years. Hmm. So I have seen so many businesses fail. I'm not hmm. talking just lockdowns. Lockdown is a different kind of failure. It's a much more, it's unusual failure what's happened last year. I'm yeah. talking before lockdown. I saw so many parents set up businesses and the business went nowhere or the business shut down, both of which are complete failures. Hmm. And almost every single time I've seen a business shut down, Mm-hmm. It's because the parent did not invest themselves. So what a lot of parents do is they set a business up, 
do it as cheaply as possible and try and do everything themselves. And by the way, I've made this mistake. I'm not, I'm not saying I didn't. I made this mistake of trying to do everything. Once I got a virtual assistant, for example, to do my invoices, to do my newsletters, to help me with design, to help me with my brand, you know, once you start sort of outsourcing to other people, mm. it does make life much easier for you and you can focus on what's important. Don't be mm. wasting time doing admin, paperwork, invoices. I mean, this is just time-consuming stuff. And if you try and do everything, you often miss out in the big picture. Okay, so don't do everything. And the second mistake I see parents making is they do not invest themselves. Mm. Uh, a lot of parents will spend literally hours, five, ten hours a day looking for free stuff on Google, really. All they do all day is look for stuff on Google for free. Mm. And you can get a few good things on Google for free. Don't get me wrong. I like Google and I use Google. Mm. But if I want advice, I pay somebody for it. I want business coaching, I pay a lot of money to a business coach. Sales coaching, I pay a lot of money to a sales coach. Yesterday, I invested in a health coach because I put a lot of weight on during lockdown and I want to get back into my good health again. So I didn't just look, I could have spent the next week looking online for free, but why? I've hired an expert and I've paid mm. the expert money to help me. That's mm. what you do. You've got to invest in people who've had success, but also they have to be people you like. It's not good enough to find somebody successful. There's a lot of successful people out there who are very unpleasant mm. and there's a lot of successful people out there who are very nice. Always go for the nice people. It's just, mm. <laughs> just don't do business with people you don't like ever. Uh, mm. That's like a big rule as well. And again, I've done business with people I didn't like because I thought it would help me. Again, wrong decision-making. So don't make those decisions. Invest in yourself mm. and don't do everything yourself as well. When you're single, when you decide to create a startup or your own business, it's the decision that you take by yourself mostly. But when you have this, nice family and ecosystem around you when there are people when there are kids when there's spouse around you who is counting on you for the emotional support system or for financial support system or for that overall support system overall right so some kind of a support in some form or the other going or even thinking to start the business by yourself it's a very hard decision it takes as a family to sit together and talk but as a parent, when you are about to start the business, you know, there would be a lot of dedication, not only in terms of time, but there is some kind of emotional attachment you have for that business that you're about to start. What would your suggestions be if you have a grown-up kid, for example, um, how you have to explain to them what the next few years would be like while you're setting up the business? Are there any suggestions from your experience? Um, it depends what age the child is. If mm. the child is under the age of 11 years old, you got to sit down and talk to them. If mm. they're over 11, they don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> they just don't. My, my, daughter's, my daughter's turning 21 years old in August. Yeah. She, she hasn't a clue what I do. She, she actually contacted me a few months ago and asked me, about mm. you know anybody who can help with LinkedIn, I think you do. Say so, yes, I'm a LinkedIn. Kids don't listen, so mm. they really couldn't care less. As long as you get out of their way and don't stick your nose in their business, they don't care. But <laughs> if your child's under the age of eleven, what you need to do is have a chat with your support system around you. Mm. That could be your partner if you have one, a parent, a friend, a babysitter, and explain to them. Look, you know, I'm setting up my own business. It's going to involve a tremendous amount of work here, and you know. 
First of all, make sure you've really spent time thinking about your business. A lot of people just go into business and don't think about it. And that's a big mistake I made. I just set my business up and I wish I'd spent an extra six months, mm. stayed at my job and planned my business on the side. Don't spend too much time planning it, of course, because mm. you can take forever. But I should have spent time planning the business while I had full-time income um, mm. because the income goes very quickly as a business mm. owner. Don't start mm. earning money. I didn't mm. earn a proper wage. Well, I got my first client after three months, my first big client after six months. I mean, it took a long time for me to earn money. Yeah. It just does. Yeah. So um, if I could do it properly again, I would have sat down with my wife at the time and spoken to her about it. Mm. And uh, when I told my daughter, she's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> she couldn't care less. But I should have yeah. spoken to my wife about it because for her, it put a lot of stress in our relationship. Mm. and you know she's a very successful businesswoman and i really should have done that but i didn't so make sure you speak to your support system mm. and if you have a child under the age of 11 just explain to them you're doing a really exciting project because if the project does well it means they can go for nicer holidays or go to disney world or go, go somewhere nice that appeal to them in the future not not you appeal to them mm. in the future if you say you, you want to you know set up a new business because you're not happy in your current job even though your young child does love you they don't really get it but yeah. if you say it so we can have more time together in the future or we can go to the beach more or we can have more mm. holidays or I can buy you more PlayStations or whatever, you know, that appeals to a child. So any t- it's almost like you're selling to the child. It's not mm. about you. It's about the child. Yeah. The parents who are in sales, who are in higher position, let's talk about in mid-size to big-size companies. Uh, as you have mentioned so many times on this podcast that it is very time-taking, it drains a lot of time. Also, considering the commute, of course, now we don't have a commute that much aspect of it. What would your suggestions be to parents who are in higher position in sales, in organizations, as a parent and as an experienced individual in sales? What your suggestions would be around parenting, around how to manage um, overall career and uh, profession and parenthood? Uh, what I recommend is a number of things. Uh, first of all, be very careful with time management. Most people I know who are commercial directors or sales directors or even business owners, you know, they work long hours. They have to. That's the nature of the job. Okay? Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody successfully works nine to five. No disrespect to people who do, but if you really want to have that extra success in life, it's going to be 10 hours a day, sometimes 12 hours a day. That's just the way it is. I wish I could give you an easy answer. There is none. And if someone tries to tell you there is an easy answer, they're just trying to take money from you. Don't believe them, okay? Uh, Mm. It requires long hours. And there's going to be times you're not going to make it home for dinner. There's going to be times you're going to miss putting your child to bed. That is the nature of the job. Mm. But it shouldn't happen every night. If it does, you've got a bigger problem you've got to deal with. And a lot of the time I speak to people about their time management, I'm always shocked the amount of time they waste looking at news stories, the amount of time they waste looking at social media. You know, people waste a lot of time doing stuff they shouldn't be doing. So Mm. first of all, you really got to stop watching the news. There is no reason whatsoever you'd ever watch the news ever or read newspaper. Mm. It's a waste of time. You know, Mm. there's so many things you can be doing. You know, I say, people ask me, how do you run a business, do LinkedIn training, do sales training, speak at events, do your charity work, take care of my autistic nephew, take care of my elderly parents. I mean, I get so much done in a day. Yeah. And I still sleep eight hours a night. Yeah. I still meditate for half an hour a day as well. Mm-hmm. You know? But I get so much done. And that's because mm-hmm. I don't waste my time doing stupid things. I don't look at my phone every 10 minutes. I look at it mm-hmm. once an hour, sometimes mm-hmm. once every two hours. 
Um, I ignore most emails because most emails are so badly written. They shouldn't be replied to ever. You know, I, I do work Sundays, of course. But that's the decision I make. I work, I work Sunday till about lunchtime. Mm-hmm. And um, I also work Sunday evening as well. But Saturdays, I try and take off. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But again, I work around things that are important. I don't waste time, but also I delegate. And a lot of people at the top aren't very good at delegating or they delegate mm-hmm. badly. And it's very important to get people who work with you, just delegate other roles to them. You don't have to be in every single team meeting, for example. You know, you don't. And I know a lot of managers who spend all day meeting after meeting after meeting. It's kind of boring. And sometimes you can delegate to somebody else as well. So learn to delegate, make much better use of your time. Very Mm. important. And see if it's possible to work from home one day a week. If you've got a sales team, it's good to be in the office sometime, of course. But mm. working from home one day a week is not a problem. And it's a nice change as well. Yeah. Last question before we wrap up the podcast. Because you're in LinkedIn, especially your post, and I came to know Neeraj Kapoor um, audiences uh, through the clubhouse because he dedicates a lot of time helping startups who are really looking for answers, helping even any organizations in the clubhouse rooms who are lost, who have no idea where to start. And that's how I came to know Neeraj Kapoor because he's so good in guiding the people at the right stage at the right time. So how did you come up with this idea of sharing the knowledge that you have 20 years plus on LinkedIn, on Clubhouse, and I think it is something related to your vision about building the relationships. And for you, the sales, if I'm not um, telling it correctly, I hope I'm wrapping it in, in a correct way. Uh, for you, it's all about building relationships and understanding the problem and see whether you can solve the problem to best of your knowledge. How did you come up with this ideology and how can you run your battery around giving so much uh, to the world in Clubhouse and in LinkedIn and in other platforms uh, based on your knowledge? Where did that whole ideology come from? Um, Well, one thing I mentioned earlier was it's so important to invest in yourself. I've invested in sales coaches. I've invested in business coaches. I've been to see Tony Robbins and Gary Vaynerchuk. I've invested in Robin Sharma. Courses, Jack Canfield. You know, I invest massively in myself. I really do. Um, because I'm always learning every single day. You know, before work, I spend time in gratitude. I go for a walk every morning. And then I spend half an hour of personal development every single day. On Sunday, it's two to three hours of personal development. It's, it's, and this is me working my mindset, working my focus, but also trying to get better every day. Mm-hmm. And I invest massively. And a lot of the people I invest in say, you got to give people as much value as possible. you got to help as many people as you can, but also to find out your vision and your why. And maybe this is a lot to do with my age, but the older I get, the more I want to help people and give back. Mm. the problem is a lot of people try and take advantage of it and just ask me for free coaching all the time and you have to find the right balance because i have a mortgage to pay you know i got Mm -hmm. a daughter who's just graduated university i have parents who are completely retired and don't make any money so you know i have big responsibilities on my shoulders and Mm -hmm. so every day i do get people who try and take advantage of me and try and get free coaching when i say no sometimes they get very rude about it you'd be surprised how many rude people i got to deal with 
You say mm-hmm. to me, oh, look at you, you're so successful. You can't help me for free for an hour. I'm like, no, my time mm-hmm. is precious. You're not yeah. getting one hour for free. And plus, you're very rude. Why would I give you free time for? So mm-hmm. I give so much value to people up front. But mm-hmm. also, you have to understand that to make things work, I have to make them work on me <laughs> first. Yeah. Then I make it work on my coaching clients. And then when they have success, then I share it on Clubhouse. Then I share it on LinkedIn. It's only when people have had success that I do this because otherwise I'm just making things up and it doesn't work. And also I quote from real life experiences, you know, so many lazy sales trainers and so many lazy coaches just quote research from two years ago, three years ago. That's out of date, especially in this modern world. Research is more than six months old is out of date. So don't quote me research. It means nothing. You got to give me real life experiences. That's what makes the difference. Yeah. Any last three your tips and suggestions. Give us three tips and suggestions for parent entrepreneurs. Okay. Uh, invest massively in yourself. Hmm. What your business in yourself. Um, I would say communicate. I was going to say communicate with loved ones, but communicate, let's say, with your inner circle. So when you're running a business, make sure you talk to your partner or your parents, your sister, your best friends, your babysitter, whoever it is that's going to be influential in what you do, mm. you've got to communicate what you're doing to them and why. Don't mm. assume people will understand you. And for goodness sake, please don't do everything by yourself because it doesn't <laughs> work. I've tried it. And again, I see people failing all the time. It's because mm. they don't invest themselves. That's the main reason. It's because mm. they try and do everything. They don't talk to people. You've got to talk to people about your problems. There's mm. no shame in asking for help ever. Mm. And the third thing is, please, for goodness sake, learn to sell. Selling is a skill. Okay. Mm. LinkedIn training is selling. Uh, presentation skills is selling. Communication skills is selling. Marketing. All these are skills that are part of sales. Sales is not closing a deal. That's what people think sales is. It's not. Sales is opening a deal. Sales is engaging with customers. Sales is giving massive value. Sales is listening. Mm. Sales is asking really important, deep questions. You know, there's so many parts. Sales is amazing customer service. This is what sales is. That's very, very important to understand sales because it will just take you so far. You cannot even begin to imagine how far you can go when you Mm. really understand sales. Neeraj Kapoor, everyone. Thank you, Neeraj, again for being in our podcast and sharing your golden nuggets of wisdom to all of us. Thank you. Absolute pleasure. Lovely seeing you, Hema. Lovely.